welcome to 2018. You're with Graphic Policy Radio, and we'll be talking with you today about the best comics of 2017. Uh, today, I'm, this is Ilana Levin, a.k.a. Ilana Brooklyn, hosting today. And today, I'm being joined with a team of critics from the graphicpolicy.com website, which obviously you guys check on a regular basis for amazing reviews <laughs> and news from the comics world. Um, and so a number of the members of our comics team are joining us to talk about what we liked most in 2017. And hopefully all our listeners will get to sign off this podcast with a list of things that they want to check out. Um, so, you know, 2017 definitely was a year of some highs and lows, but we're going to focus on the highs right now because we want you to get that shopping list of what you want to buy. And um, we're going to be talking about everything from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, Boom, IDW, Lionforge, Manga, underground publishers that no one's ever heard of before. We want to cover that gamut, indie, mainstream, the works. And, um, and if you have favorite comics of the year, I also invite you to tweet at us right now. I'm at Elana, E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. Uh, and I will be checking our Twitter feed. And uh, real quick, the folks joining me are Madison Butler, Logan Dalton, Alex Carcosa, and Ryan Carey. Hey, everyone. Hey. 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 So who wants to get us started by talking about what was the best new series that launched in 2017? A series where there was like a number one issue that came out this, in, during the past year. I've got one that I think was a pretty clear. Uh, this is Ryan, by the way. Thank uh, you. Pretty clear. Uh, one that has the most promise, I would say, of anything going forward. Hopefully, is the new anthology now from Fantagraphics. Uh, it's like a Kramer's Ergot type of uh, sort of art comics anthology. 128 pages per issue at a very affordable $10. Hmm. That is a lot of comics for not a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, you get a great value-wise. It's terrific. First issue had some superb strips by uh, Ethan Van Skyver, Antoine Cosse, just a lot, uh, Gabriel Dell, a lot of great cartoonists in there. So if they can keep up that level of quality, I think we'll be in for a good like a mom or raw type of uh, series going forward. Hmm. What else do we got, guys? Um, so my my favorite you. it's it's a mini series, but um, hopefully it'll get a I guess a second season. But uh, it started out as Hi Fi Fight Club, but then they oh, some yeah. copyright issues. Heavy vinyl from uh, Boombox. It's by uh, Carly Uzden, who's actually a a writer for uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, and a new artist, Nina Vakaweva, the artist. Um, and it's a basically, it's like a 90s period piece about these girls who work at a record store, and they're in a vigilante fight club. And I like it because it's like a really high-concept idea, but um, Carly Usden spends a lot of time in the series developing the relationships between the girls, some unique backstories. There's like a really strong central queer romance that like, it's kind of like, it's like the core of the series. Like, mm. I mean, this could be a great book if it was just them shooting the shit at the record store and like, I don't know, like the nineties hangout places. Um, but yeah, there's like a cool, like, and there's also like a cool like theme in the background. that's not like too preachy. Well, maybe at the end it was, but like how like music can like inspire people and um, give people, give women especially power. And it was cool. And yeah, the, the name change was a little weird, but it was a really strong mini series. And, yeah, Boombox, like, in my eyes, Boombox can really do no wrong. It's strong little, very queer, very, like, unique art style imprint. And 
Maybe and going strong. It's called, like, heavy, I don't know, like it's called heavy vinyl now. I, Cause I lost totally yeah. lost track of it when the name changed. Okay. Heavy vinyl. Got it. Yeah. Me too. Got like, uh, like I was, I don't know. I was like reviewing it and like, what's heavy vinyl. Why is it on issue four? That sounds like a cool title. I'm like, Oh, high five fight club. So, uh, that was Got a little it. weird, but it's a good book. And, I and hopefully people someone, will check it out and trade. As someone with way too much personal emotional investment in the clothing that women who work at a record store in the 90s may or may not be wearing based on my own personal life experiences, I felt like it did a good job. So um, what, about, uh, what, what about you, Alex? So the, my favorite first issue of the year was uh, Secret Weapons by Valium. It, it is a miniseries that leads into a, um, a bigger story, I think, later this year. But it's a miniseries, I think it's just fantastic. Uh, written by Eric Heisera, who the screenwriter behind Arrival. The um, I never saw it, but apparently the movie's fantastic. The Arrival um, is the movie you said? Arrival yeah. won like a shitload of Oscars and stuff. And, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so he, he... So I think what happened is he's the... He's scripting one of Valiant's movies that's coming out whenever it's coming out. And he pitched some ideas to to them about what he wanted to do in the movie. And Dinesh Shandasani uh, said, well, this isn't a Livewire movie. It's a, a movie about these other characters, but you're more than welcome to write us a book about it. So he did. And it's an absolutely fantastic story about characters who have the most useless superpowers ever trying to get together and being somewhat functional as a team as uh, they're basically being hunted for these useless superpowers. That's a fun concept. Do you have to know the Valiant universe? To... No, no, you, you really don't. Um, it's, I mean, it helps if you have a little bit of a background to it, but I, I have told so many people that I know to just pick it up and enjoy it and not to worry about this other stuff mm-hmm. um the second issue second second or third issue i think has a brilliant scene where uh, one of the characters avi is uh, he's a seat so he he wears a turban and he's in class in in university or college and all these people are pointing and looking at him and in his mind he's thinking that they're mistaking him for a, a Muslim woman and making a leap to him being a terrorist and he just wants mm-hmm. to keep his head down the the people pointing at him don't don't care that you know about his appearance. They're more concerned that they know he has powers. They don't know what they are, and like in classic X Men, they hate, they fear him, and they just want to want to get rid of him. Hmm. And it's it's such a brilliant sequence that as it goes through, uh, from uh, I think I'm pretty sure it's the second issue. Um, but yeah, it's absolutely wonderful miniseries. Cool. I, you know, I, I was having a hard time answering that question myself, uh, but I can definitely say that the comic that debuted this that debuted this year that has occupied the most more of my mental energy than any of the others, and that I am definitely enjoying, even though I have like concerns. Um, is I, I'm like many other people. I'm, I'm really hooked on Mister Miracle. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the Fourth World. Uh, I have some questions about what the story he's telling right now may or may not be saying with response to the politics of Jack Kirby's own story that he told. 
but it's certainly um, much more. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a comic that I can't get out of my head in terms of what the story is doing and the relationship between Big Barda and Scott Free in it is really fabulous and a wonderful thing to see. So I, it, it, that's my qualified pick. Um, what do you, but I always, I have a lot more thoughts though about like what are the best comics that are continuing that you know have been going on for a while, but in the year 2017 continued to deliver really excellent issues, really excellent stories that were ongoing. I'd love to hear what you guys were reading. That's you know an ongoing title that was great the past year too. Uh, I'll chime in and say, how about Love and Rockets? I mean, now that it's back in magazine format, it kind of feels like coming home. I think it's been so good for so long that we almost take it for granted. But uh, the Hernandez brothers keep turning out phenomenal work. Um, you know, I, it's just incredible still after all this time. Yeah. Matt, uh, go ahead. Well, I, I, I honestly don't think I've been, anything I've been reading this year has been going on that long. A lot of what I've been reading this year either started this year or ended this year when it was launched. Huh. Well, it that makes sense because you're, you're like really into yeah. Valiant, and Valiant is likes doing the like the seasons, which I think is really cool, actually. Like, yeah. Um, like, the clear, like, beginnings and ends, and you don't have to, like, like, big numbers scare me. Like, sorry, like, people getting hyped for action comics, like, a thousand, but, like, big numbers just, like, <laughs> I, like, get, like, anxiety. Like, I think I, mi- like, I missed everything or something, and even though I can jump in, but, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I think a lot of the comics that I read is ongoing for on huge breaks this year. Um, like I don't, I don't. Did Bitch Planet like come out at all last year? If it did, it I feel special. like it was early in the year. Yeah, it yeah. Had, like the specials came out, yeah. which I don't think I, I when, didn't get to read any of those. But I think that's like the big one and Wiktive. Um, yes, Wicked and Divine. Wiktive, that's always a good one. I feel one, like this but, was a great year for Wiktive. That was my yes. <laughs> top of my list for best yeah. ongoing. Um. I mean, the reveals that happened in this season were, were really just shocking, but completely earned and justified. And I think yes. a lot of comics, oh, someone, yeah, a lot of comics, when they do that, it's not earned and it's not justified. And you can really see all the building that's gone towards it and, um, and the sensitivity with the characters and the art just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I know you've been reviewing it ongoing, Logan. Did you, what, what, what did you think about it? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Wiktiv. I mean, I was a little beginning of the year, a little skeptical. I'm like, this is a pretty long Imperial phase story arc, and I mean, but like, yeah, it definitely built up. Like, I mean, there's a whole issue of Dionysus and Baphomet talking in the dark, and unlike any other series, I'd be like, this is such filler, it's over. But like, it was such it like built up to his big kind of moment his big like sacrificial like messianic death and yeah and then we also had like some you know nice little like kind of fun like side candy from like the the ancient rome issue like andrea raja i'll probably talk about him later he's a great artist and Mm -hmm. the special was just like pure fan fluff which is kind of like what the series is all about so and we also got to see like 
Chris Anka and like China Klux and Flores, like their takes on the characters. Mm-hmm. Probably my continuing series that's like just there's like like it's in it's in the 30s and it's still just like killing it as far as the humor and the relationships and slice of life is is giant days. Like it's great. I mean, um, I can't believe it's been going on for like three years. Um, there's a whole issue focusing on the main character's parents. We had a whole issue that was like an homage to like Richard Curtis movies, like uh, Love Actually, and like yeah, and like the first issue this year was pretty wild too, focused on one of the more supporting male characters. So, like hmm. it's man, like I hope it, I hope it like goes on forever, but eh, it's crazy. That's like, a slice of life boom comic, again. Sort of. Yeah, it's like about these girls in England who are university and. It kind of has a surreal art style, but it's, like, all just, like, straight up, like, they just are in college, boyfriends, girlfriends, jobs, weird smells in the attic. (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, it's, yeah, it's it's great. Um, It definitely has, like, a British sense of humor, but, like, I feel like most of the jokes are actually visual, so, Hmm. yeah. It's it's pretty great, and, like, there are a bunch of trades out now, so, like, six, I think. (laughs) It's crazy. Wow. I remember when it first came out, yeah. So good. I know that one of the stories that I feel like has just been getting better and better over time is Princeless over at Action Labs. Um, oh, yeah. Like, it's just one of those, It's you know, it's an all-ages series that I recommend to a lot of people I know with kids. It's really feminist, diverse, and fun. And the the skill and intelligence and creativity and humor of the series, like you can see, you can really see the writer, you know, the writer, uh, Jeremy Whitley's strength growing over time um, to the point where it's sort of like, I, I, I feel like I want to give people the later volumes instead of the first when I introduce them to it, just because the later ones are so freaking amazing. Um, but it's been nice to see sort of his career grow in that way. And I feel like that's been a really strong ongoing title. And it, I also would say Deathstroke, but we're probably going to do a panel around that in in March, at the six month uh, at the end of the most recent story cycle. But like Deathstroke is actually working. I know that's crazy that it's working over at DC. Uh, Black Panther. Oh yes. So what do you think about Black Panther as an ongoing? I actually am way behind. Sorry, they're just showing like trailers right now on TV. Oh. <laughs> My bad. But yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to. Well, speaking of Tony C. Coates, like I'm really looking forward to his Storm series with Jim Barchell in 2018. It's gonna be good. I hope it doesn't get canceled because <laughs> Marvel. Oh, Marvel. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, I actually did not create a category for most beloved comic that was canceled in 2017 because that would only bring the tears. But I could say, do you folks have a favorite graphic novel or? trade paperback that might be coming out right now or had just come out, which might have encompass some of our favorite things that may or may not have been canceled in the past year, or perhaps a holistic graphic novel written to be read in one book. Um, hit me up. Oh, I've got one I'm looking to very much forward to in the next couple of weeks here. Mm-hmm. And that is called The Lie and How We Told It by Tommy Parrish. Uh, non- gender binary cartoonist from Australia. Their first book came out from 2D Cloud called Perfect Hair, and it was sort of a non-narrative type of book. 
but the new one uh, looks like it's going to be a sort of a relationship thing about two friends and something that kind of drove a wedge between them. And Parrish's art style is incredibly colorful and very fluid, and I think it's going to be one of those books that gets talked about all year long, maybe not quite to the same level as something like My Favorite Thing is Monsters, but it could be the breakout book of the year the way that was. Hmm. Yeah, that publisher, I just got familiar with them when I read Mirror, Mirror, which two um, from Shanti Collins and Julia Graham mm-hmm. who were on the podcast this past spring. They're definitely like, you know, a, a big deal for the art comics world. Um, yeah, now I think Fantagraphics is publishing um, this The Lie and How We Told It. I'd have to double check that to make sure. But definitely mm-hmm. Parrish got their start with 2D Cloud and is mm-hmm. moving on to something else. But 2D Cloud's new Kickstarter should be up to February, March, and they'll have a great slate of books coming out this year, just like they always do. Who else has got a graphic novel that you want folks to check out? I mean, I feel like everybody's read it at this point, but I really, really loved My Favorite Thing is Monsters. Oh, um, I That's probably so like my favorite comic that I read all year, but it was just so well done. The writing was really just like intriguing. There were so many twists in the story and um, the whole thing is drawn in ballpoint pen. So it looks incredible. So I mean, reading that was like an experience is awesome. I need to read it. I have not. It sounds amazing. It's so good. <laughs> I think it's probably the most important standalone graphic novel, probably since mouse. And that's no exaggeration. <laughs> Damn. Oh, wow. yeah, it was so good. Okay, I'm so I'll excited get on for that. the second volume too. Yeah, definitely have to. <laughs> um, I also just wanted to think when we're thinking about like number ones that happened in this past year. I mean, one of the most ambitious things that happened was um, Lion Forge Comics like literally launched an all new superhero universe with a you know a whole slew of issue ones and and uh, you know I, like. It's a fact that they are launching a new superhero universe from scratch with really A-list talent, which is predominantly people of color, um, was like a really interesting uh, endeavor because I there have been like other brand new comics universes that other publishers have tried to launch that have always felt flat. And often, frankly, I think they've fallen flat because the quality wasn't there. Um, and I think the quality really is there for Lion Forge's um universe um and you know it's a range of titles so there's some that i like and some that i don't i think that the strongest ones that i that are ongoing would be like noble the new one that just came out called summit is only one issue but i think it looks really exciting from when i saw it um and um and kino was really cool um you know i didn't really like a cell but brett uh loved a cell so you know there's a, there's a range of different tones in it but um, insofar as just beginning a new comics universe that's sort of centered in in a, a Mexican business like empire, like they're they're sort of Tony Stark, the morally ambiguous Tony Stark of the series is based in she's 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 in Chiapas. Like that has not something I've read before. Um, it's a very science fiction heavy line of superhero comics, and they just really invested in art hardcore. Um, so I, I think folks should definitely keep an eye on that. 
And I guess if I had to pick just one title from that, read the, the, the title that debuted everything and then check out Noble. But I, I think there's a lot of good pieces throughout. Is anybody else reading those? Uh, I think I really need to read the superhero stuff, but uh, yeah. they also have a really good line of like translated like French graphic novels, and like wow, like this is the future of publishing right here. Like they definitely because they, they have all ages superheroes and like kind of overseas like memoiry stuff. I'm like wow, like that's awesome. Like just the hmm. the range. Anything good that we don't know about from France? Because I sure as heck don't know about it. Oh shoot! <laughs> I forget what it was called, but like there was this really good like 300-page Swiss graphic novel that I reviewed a few months ago. I think it was called like Oh Shit or something, and it was this like kind of like non-linear. Like this guy is like a cartoonist. He's like an asshole, but like it like he had real consequences throughout the story. And yeah, I really, I really liked it. And yeah, it was it was a good autobio book. Um, Who was the now I know you on that one. It was no one I'd ever even heard of it. It wasn't like a big name, but it was like Swiss. And yeah, Lionforge translated it and republished it. I forgot what it was called, though. It was months ago. Mm. <laughs> well, I know I that Logan's voting for Boombox. What are the other smaller publishers that have had really good years? Um, I, I just Scout is good. Scout is good. Yeah. I was Ow. super excited about their comic Long Lost, and that um, that turned out. I mean, it's coming out now. I like it a lot. Scott I want to plug in there. Oh, go ahead. Sure. Sorry. So I, I was going to say oh. I uh, I've really been loving what Valiant has done this year, which probably should come as no surprise. Like I I started I, a couple of years ago I never even heard of them and now hands down they are I, I for me personally I would say they are the best publisher publishing superhero comics at the moment I I'm not going to say they've never done a bad book because no one can be perfect all the time but pound for pound I would say they they're, their best books are better than anything Marvel and DC do hmm. Well, Faith has always looked good whenever I dip my toe into it. I'm always like, oh, that's right. That's really good. It feels like Spider-Man from when he was a young adult, like the, the books that came out when I was a teen, you know, a young teen, were the Spider-Man books where he had just gotten out of college. And I feel like Faith is sort of doing that for, you know, young people today, like a 21-year-old just out of school. And Faith, is, Faith reminds me of Spider-Man in so many ways, like yeah. the character. So. There was... They, they faced miniseries. I think it was last year. Um, now, the third issue has probably one of my favorite scenes in comics that I've seen in a long time. Um, Face works at a um, basically a budget. And she's locked in the closet with her editor, and these people are coming in uh, with guns, doing what villains do. And she's looking around the room, she's like, how, how can I get out of this room? maintain my secret identity and save the day all at once without anyone knowing what I, what I can do and how can I do it really quickly? And she looks around and she's like, I can't. And just bursts out the room in full superhero costume and all of the people in the closet with her who are desperately trying to stay alive are just as shocked that they had a superhero in the closet as they are that all of a sudden they're 
their, their world that was turned upside down has now gone upside down again and they, they've been saved by the mild-mannered reporter who <laughs> what one could argue wasn't all that great a reporter but <laughs> it's, it's just got such a great internal monologue of it as, as she bursts out the way if you haven't read it and, and you can't find it let me know and I, I can, I'm more than happy to send stuff out to point us in the right way yeah yeah absolutely. no I, I actually did see that I thought that was a really cool inversion on that on the general theme and and obviously the art from Marguerite Sauvage is always gorgeous oh um, yeah the dream I could, sequences yeah oh god it's so beautiful um which I guess brings me to my next question which is like what is the most beautiful comics art you've seen this year and it could be art on a particular comic, or it could be a particular piece you saw, or it could be some fan art you saw on the internet. Like, what is the eye candy that you've most enjoyed looking at? Anything by Louis LaRosa. Anything by who? Louis LaRosa. Louis LaRosa? Yeah, so he... he again, Valiant comic. been doing Bloodshot Salvation. Uh, he's dividing it uh, the comics are divided between Neurosa uh, and Nico Suyang. Um, he's also fantastic. There was also Savage that Neurosa drew part, part of each issue as well. And I, I feel bad that I'm only paying $4 an issue to get this artwork. It is absolutely jaw-droppingly amazing each and every time. I, I don't think I've seen a bad panel by this man. It is fantastic. Which title is he on? Or titles? Um, off the top of my head, he, he's doing right now, he's on Bloodshot Salvation. Fifth uh-huh. um, issue comes out Wednesday. He did Savage, which is basically a Robinson Crusoe slash Tarzan kind of mix. Um, and it's just, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're online, just look, let's Google Louis LaRosa and you'll find some fantastic artwork. I, um, for the best off list we did, I, my, my example for LaRosa's art, I just put in Louis LaRosa comic and I grabbed the first result that was big enough. Like, I, I, I didn't specifically choose anything, that was just the first result I had. Uh-huh. I, um, he is one of the few artists who, if I see his name on a book, I'm going to jump right on it. No question cool. asked. Yeah, I feel that way. Like, I'm a sucker for, you know, a couple of different artists. Like, anything they'll do, I'll always just buy. I, I, I really, you know, like, if it's – I pretty much buy anything that Stephanie Hans has done art on. Um, oh, yeah. And the interiors – did you see the interiors she did on Batwoman this year? Oh, man. Well, like, that looks, like, average, but she, like – kind of made me like notice it yeah. for a little while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I felt like it, the recent Batwoman, sorry, Batwoman, you know, from like the relaunch of Batwoman this past year is the best Batwoman we've had since Rucka wrote it. But it's like, I, I mean, it's not like my favorite comic of the year, but it's definitely the best since, since um, definitely the best Batwoman we've had in, in, in years. And Stephanie Hans is awesome. Yeah, I just miss Jage Williams so much. Jay, like uh, Jage Williams just had that unique. I mean, Steve Epting and uh, um, Steve Epting's a solid artist, but like Jage Williams is beautiful, like tapestries. And I mean, yeah, it's, it has a ways. 
I actually really like. I think Batwoman's better written in Detective Comics, actually. Um, uh, James Kinnian is on that book as well, right? Yeah, I feel like I don't know. Like his better writing juices goes goes to that book. I don't know. Hmm. It's weird. <laughs> I have not touched that book in a while, but I have heard good things. Um, it's. I mean, it's, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's talk some more artists. Give me some more names. I mean, I, 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 whenever I see anything, I have my usuals. I'm always like, oh, my gosh, I can look, look at anything that Kevin Wada does. But it's always the covers <laughs> only. And then I have to ask, like, do I want it? Do I care about what's inside? Or am I just buying more things for Kevin Wada covers? It's a real oh, trap. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I really like uh, Audrey Mock. Um, she, uh, she started out doing a fashion superhero webcomic called uh, Heroin Chic. And now she she did Josie and the Pussycats for Archie, and now she's on, like, the main Archie book. And she's a really good um, eye for fashion and just drawing beautiful human beings and also, like, is good with humor as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and even, you know, even a little bit of action. Like, Archie and Josie aren't really action-heavy books, but there's, like, motorcycle races and stuff, and they have really good, like, motion, I guess, and uh, kind of suspense especially. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. like Archie with Mark Wade isn't a great book, but I'm like reading it right now just for Audrey Mock because Josie and the Pussycats got canceled. So yeah, Audrey Mock <laughs> is definitely she's like one of those artists who like has beautiful like gorgeous cover, like movie poster quality, and then like the interiors are just as good. So like definitely gonna rare. follow her wherever she goes. Archie, cool. Maybe something you know, create her own. Like who knows? Yeah, right now she's like the star at Archie. I have a artist recommendation I am confident no one here has heard of. But you will see her work if you check it out and be blown away. Her name is Inez Estrada. She is from Mexico City. I believe she's living in Texas now. She did a six-issue self-published series this year called Alien Nation. You can get it from her website. That's gatosorio.com, G-A-T-O-S-A-U-R-I-O. She has it in a six-pack bundle with uh-huh. uh, postcards, stickers, and it comes in a biohazard bag, so it's really great packaging. It's a really inventive sci-fi series that does well what everything that I would say, if you were familiar with Tokyo Ghost from a year or two back, everything that Remender tried to do in that book but kind of got <laughs> sidetracked by his own, you know, every one of his books reads like a personal therapy session sort of. Um, everything that he's trying to say about VR, disconnection from the natural world, what it all means. It is an amazing series. It's called Alienation. Her line work is incredible. Her attention to detail will just blow your mind. Uh, And she has some two-page spreads in there that are like almost nothing you've ever seen before. She is just an amazing artist. And there's two full-color postcards that come in there with it that are, you know, worthy of putting in a frame almost. So I would definitely recommend any of you check out the work of Inez Estrada, particularly this new one, Alienation, complete six-issue series that came out last year. And one quick thing, if I could dovetail back for just a moment Mm -hmm. when you were talking about publishers that had a good year, I think Mm -hmm. Annie Koyama at Koyama Press deserves some special recognition. It was her 10th year in business, and I think she had her strongest publishing lineup yet with some of the stuff like Eleanor Davis's You and a Bike and a Road, Tyler Roberts' Sunburning, Jesse Jacobs' Crawl Space, Annie Koyama just had an incredible year at uh, Koyama Press. Cool. 
Well, those are some great recommendations, and I'll tweet those links out to folks in a little bit. Thank you. Sure. I also wanted to give some love to Raul Allen and Patricia Martin. Um, they're the artists on Secret Weapons. And mm-hmm. the, it's just the way they can tell a story visually is just like it may not be as traditionally um, beautiful and, and frameworthy as some of the other artists that we've talked about. But I, I think in terms of telling a story visually, it, it's just fantastic. I, I remember reading a, um, and I feel like I should have had more examples ready to, to really go to that for them, but they, they can make an entire, something really simple, like tossing the ball up in the air and catching it. It's just really dynamic with panels and layouts. And it's just, um, again, I, I, and I was talking about that tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's and, cool, though. You know, I... I... I do notice, like, I'm not really, like I said, I don't really read much Valiant, but I definitely notice that they are a publisher that invests in having good artists that do, like, really detailed, thorough work. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, nothing drives me crazy, like, when you're looking at a page and it's clearly, like, hasn't finished being inked, which is a thing that has happened before on things that I have read. Um, so I, I, I like, like seven inkers on it, like, because they, they just want to get two books out of, like, I, don't, I hate this whole, like, two books out a month, like, don't do it unless you're like a solid rotation like they have for Batman. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous and it's so rushed and I'm like, dude, you have Disney money, you have Warner Brothers money. Like, <laughs> come on. Invest in artists. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's not like you're, you know, black mask or something who's like I don't know, like just like trying to stay alive. Like you have yeah. you have money, you have corporate money. Like, come on. I agree. I mean I definitely feel like one of the artists who I who I was I guess it's almost cheating from the future category. Everything Jen Bar tells us keeps getting better and better. And yeah, like I'm looking forward to seeing her do you know a whole range of interiors for a, a big you know for the Storm series when that happens soon. Um, but every 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 book she works on, I'm always a little bit like suckered towards looking at it because it's just so beautiful. Um, and, you know, I think that the figures used to be a little stiffer and that they've gotten more comfortable in their own skin over time. And it's definitely, it just keeps getting better and better. Yeah, I mean, she was great on, on Jim and the Holograms. Like, that book had some atrocious art, and then, like, she came it back did. and like, yes. <laughs> nudged it towards the story, the finish line a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't yeah. I can't believe that. I feel like that book would have lasted longer had it not had the range I mean, of, it's still around, yeah. but it's just, I don't know, it's, I mean, I think, I think a lot of the reasons, because, like, Sophie Campbell's designs were so married to it, and you had mm-hmm. to have her on the book, and, like, people trying to do her was just not a good idea. Like, some people can, but, I mean, yeah. But not everyone, yeah. Um, You know, I, I mean, this is sort of skipping from one question to another, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like, the, another, you know, some of the, my favorite individual stuff that I've seen this year has been web only, which would include um, As the Crow Flies, which is a new, which is which has existed as a web comic. We had the creator Mel Gilman on the show, uh, number, I guess maybe over the over the summer, um, and they're doing this incredibly detailed colored pencil drawn art, um, and that's going to be published in book form this this upcoming year. But you can look at the whole series that they made on the website on the, as the crow flies right now. 
So I'm like, it's the best, it's some of the best graphic novels slash upcoming slash art online. And there's just the amount of detailed color pencil work and the sensitivity of the characters, the way Mel draws nature in the background and the color palette is so <laughs> remarkable. Um, but then I also made me think about my favorite piece of fan art that I've seen this year. And I don't know if you guys seen Alex DeCampi and crew have been doing a, Oh uh, my a God. Series, yes. A series Tumblr, called Hell's, oh Kitchen, my God, it's so good. Hell's Kitchen, uh, Hell's Kitchen movie club. And, um, <laughs> you know, if, if, if they're not going to give, uh, you know, more free reign to do creative things with the big characters, then, you know, it's fun to see this get a hold. Basically, the concept that, that she has is uh, Punisher and Bucky watch movies and, like, talk about life on a couch. And I feel terrible that I'm not recalling the name of the artist. I'll go look him up. Um, but it is on Tumblr. If you look up Hell's Kitchen Movie Club, and um, it has some wonderful political satire. It has some real emotional intensity uh, about of two veterans who have really bad PTSD dealing with stuff. And it's also really funny. I would absolutely buy that for $3.99 uh, a month at my comic shop if it was being made. Yeah, me too. It's like it's like a. I think some of the best like superhero comics are like fan, like basically fan fiction on Tumblr, like Hannah Blumenreich, like mm-hmm. who, like like someone should just give her the reins to to Spider Man, like like I know she had backups, but like yeah, like these these people like these fresh voices who aren't like ingrained in the system, but still love these characters, and you get some good stuff. And I mean, I mean the names alone sell them, so like you don't like need to. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. You can just they have big followers. Yeah, but you, oh, okay, so yeah. supposed to be thorough. Dave, Dave Acosta is the main artist on Hell's Kitchen Movie Club, and uh, Dee okay. Cummins does the color. So that's my favorite that's, fan art of the year. Yeah. What are we talking fan have? art specifically, or are we talking no. web comics in general? or Web comics in general, any of the above. Okay, one artist I discovered... An artist I discovered online this year who has some great autobio strips is a Filipino cartoonist named November Garcia. She is talented as all get-go. She has a way of making these deadpan daily life situations, some of which are actually somewhat harrowing, kind of revolving around alcoholism and neuroses and things. She has a way of making them funny. And she's got a very self-deprecating sense of humor. Her stuff is at novembergarcia.com. And she has collected her strips into a couple of print books. The title is Malarkey, Two Issues. And even if you're not a fan of autobio comics, I think you will find that these will win you over pretty quickly. Cool. I am not a fan of very good. It looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely, you know, uh, Oh Human Star is a webcomic, which you can also buy in print, but that has maintained its high quality. Uh, it actually is the first graphic novel that my mom has read. Can, can I go on mute? I'm getting, I'm getting too many alarm, too many uh, police sirens. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the. Oh, it's the first graphic novel I got my mom to read since she, she read Mouse back when Mouse came out because, like, her parents and my grandparents are Holocaust survivors. This is, like, the only other thing she's read. She's like, oh, this is really cool. 
Um, but yeah, Oh Human Star is, you know, science. It's like it's a humans and robots interacting in a future, a very nearby future, while also being a family drama, while also being a love story. Um, and it's really sensitive. And it's all free on the Internet, still, still maintaining <laughs> its very high quality. What's that web address? Oh, Human Star. O-H, Human Star. Got it. Star. Thank you. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, no, you should definitely check it out. Um, going back at my list. Um, oh, yes, manga. So I don't know anything about that, but I know one of our guests sure does. Do <laughs> you want to talk about the I... best manga to hit the States? Sure. I didn't, I actually didn't really read manga until last year. Um, but I started watching My Hero Academia, which is like a huge anime that got super popular. You've probably seen it on Twitter if you've been on Twitter for more than five minutes and are in the comic circle. <laughs> um, so I started, I, I caught up on that and then I started reading the manga and it's just like this very wholesome story um, about like these people who in the future, like, most people have a mutation that gives them, like, these superpower type things. And it's about a kid who doesn't have a mutation, and he just, like, wants to be a hero. So it's, like, it's very nice and, like, just, like, it's a good story, and the, the characters are all great. So I, I read that. Um, and then um, My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness came out last year, I think, too. Um, and uh-huh. I really like that one as well. Um, just, like, a very touching story about this woman who just decides, like, she figures out that she's a lesbian and then um, tries to, I don't know, have, like, her first sexual experience. And so it's just, I don't know. It was a really touching and good story, so I highly recommend that one as well. I have heard. Yeah, I can second that. I can second that, yeah. Yeah, I want yeah, to check awesome. it out. It was one of the books I wanted to read at the end of the year, but didn't get around to it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's like a like a one book thing, so it's like pretty short, easy to read, nice. and highly recommend it. So, what are you looking forward to most in 2018? Um, I I can say for myself, I'm really excited to check out a Twisted Romance, which is Alex Acampi is writing yeah. with uh, basically. Every hot up-and-coming artist whose work I'm interested in is doing art on it, plus Carla Speed McNeil, who is a successful artist already. So um, I, I, it's going to be uh, Alex's particular humor and, and quirkiness applied towards the romance comic genre, and she's really using it to like get us into a, a range of different styles and approaches from really cool artists. There's going to be an issue released every week in February. I am super excited for that. And, um, oh, my gosh, you know what I didn't mention? I should have. Uh, Saladin Ahmed, is, who has been just knocking it out of the ballpark <laughs> on Black Bolt. I mean, like one of the only Marvel comics that I read. Um, he's starting a cop story taking place in the 70s. And uh, that's going to be starting in the new year as well. Oh, yeah, Abbott. It's a boom book. Go boom. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I don't think I it's mean, boom box, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely, boom box is sort of like our youth imprint. But, but Salad and Ahmed has just had this amazing year. You know, he's an experienced science fiction writer. 
he's new to writing comics, although he's always been a comics geek. Um, but uh, I, I'd love to hear him do sort of a genre 70s cop New York City thing. Those are all just those are all adjectives that I love. So. Yeah, that sounds really awesome. Actually, I'm. Lo- I'll be looking forward to that one. So, what else do you guys want to see in 2018 that you know is actually coming? I'm really hyped about what. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm really hyped to what uh, DC is doing with Young Animal, um, like crossing over the main DC universe and Milk Wars. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's going to be a weird experience seeing like. Steve Orlando and like Gerard Way team up, and then and the stuff coming out of it's really good too. Like Mags Asagio is doing Eternity Girl. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really like um, Young Animal. It's like so fun. Um, like Doom Patrol kind of wavers in quality, but like it's just cool seeing like it's like a great throwback to like '90s Vertigo, but with some like kind of modern ideas, I guess. And it'll be cool to see them interact with the main DC universe and. Yeah, hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully it's better than, like, Doomsday Clock, but just, oh God. I don't know. Anything Weird. is better than Doomsday Clock. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I feel like one, one reason I like DC, like, I've started liking DC recently is it just, it's so weird. Like, it's been around for, like, 80-plus years, and there's all these kind of characters that have been forgotten that, like, cool, creative people can kind of bring into the woodworks, like, I don't know, like, Cave Carson or whatever. And, uh, and I think, like, Young Animals done a good job of, like, kind of leading into the weird and um, plus it's just seeing like good seeing Gerard Way do creative things. Rip my chemical mm-hmm. romance. <laughs> co-sign. Yeah. Co-sign these statements. Um, yeah. Madison, do you have a volume? Go ahead. Go ahead. I think this, sorry. I think the second volume of my favorite thing is Monsters comes out this year, which I'm yes. super excited for. Um. So that one, and then I'm going to be catching up because I did grad school last year, so I didn't have a lot of time to read comics in addition to just being kind of like a little bit burnt out. Um, so I'm excited to like catch up on a bunch of stuff that I missed. I forgot um, to mention Monstrous earlier because I'm oh, yeah. super behind on it, but I just I have a huge love for Monstrous Women, so I'm going to be catching up on that soon too. And that's stunning. And think, like it feels like any page. You oh my gosh, on that. beautiful. It's- yeah. yeah. The covers are just like astounding, and then the, that's what the inside looks like too. It's crazy. It's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite um, thing is Monsters Volume Two is August. August, okay. I'll yep, get ready I'm for definitely, it. Yeah, cool. I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. And the other big thing mm-hmm. that I'm looking forward to this year that I think will probably, you know, the news has been out there for some time, and it's another thing that's been around so long that I think people just t- sort of take it for granted. But I'm looking forward to the final volume of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen from Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill. Oh, it's going to be cool. both oh, yeah, their last work. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be both of their last works in comics. They're both retiring from the <laughs> medium after that, although we've heard that from Moore a few times, haven't we? But I would expect that they're going to close things out with a real flourish. I think it's going to end with a bang, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I am a sucker for that series, so sign me up. I'm definitely yeah. going to be reading that. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Okay, that's exciting. Uh, I have not yeah, picked up. Run. I have not picked up Priest's Justice League um, yet. I've heard it's excellent. His run on Deathstroke oh, has been really cool. So I will I, I will be looking at Priests on Justice League 
you know, I don't really give a, a crap about the Justice League itself. But, you know, when you tell me that there's an interesting writer on it, uh, and I'm particularly, like, I love it when people choose the more offbeat characters. Um, that's always more interesting to me. Um, I think, like, that's just the, 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 you can have more creativity and less, and, and more freedom with what you can do in those situations, so... Yeah, he's doing the little things right. Like he, uh, Jessica Cruz, the Green Lantern, she's like speaking in Spanish on panel, like to act like a invader on the satellite. I'm like, okay, yeah, she, he's he's awesome, and yeah, he's yeah, he was out of comics for a while, like pr- like preaching and stuff, being a pastor, and now he's like yeah. you know, back in the game and just like, and he's a yeah, I'd really like to see him on Black Panther again, but I mean, I think he's doing a small story, but yeah. He's kind of killing it in Mag, DC right now. Definitely Mag's uh, Element Girl coming out at and, – and um, I want to say, keep wanting to say Vertigo, but it's not. Uh, young, yeah. What's it called? Yeah, Eternity Girl at Young Animal. Thank you. Eternity Girl at Young, at young Animal is is really something I'm excited to get out to. Yeah, there's um, an issue. Yeah. So, so there's an issue of Bloodshot Salvation coming out um, where Jeff Lynn is handling the art as well as the writing. And I don't know a whole lot about it because I don't tend to read, read that many previews. Um, but my understanding is that he's using, it's all like a black and white issue. There's very little actual art in it. And he's using the uh, the panels and the, uh, the gutters to tell the story along with the uh, dialogue. And I'm really excited to see how he does that and how hmm. how that's put together. I, I think it's the sixth issue, which should come out next month, or maybe the seventh, which would be in March. Um, but what I'm really excited for this, this year, more than anything else, in all honesty, um, have you guys ever heard of Voracious? Heard of what? Vor- Voracious. Voracious. It's- yeah. Oh, from an action a, lab? Action yeah. Lab? So if you haven't heard of it, um, A, go read it. But it's about a time-traveling chef that hunts dinosaurs and uh, serves them in his diner. Last year... Yeah, I met, um, I met the artist at a convention. It's, it looks like a fun book. It's... Uh, it, dude. So the third issue of the second series, Feeding Time, was hands down my favorite comic released last year. W- without, like, there was there's never a question as to what that comic would be for me. That's always going to be my favorite comic of the year. Um, so they're doing a Kickstarter launching, I think, uh, this year, um, spring, summer maybe, um, for the third volume, Appetite for Destruction. Um, I am. I cannot wait to, to get my hands on that. I cannot wait to, to talk about it. I can't wait to, to read about it. It's, um, it's a series that I, I don't think anywhere near enough people are reading. Um, there's, there's two trades out right now. It's a, um, it's a, a three trade story. And man, those, like the concept itself is fantastic. But then you get into the characterization and the relationships between the characters and the concepts that um, Marcus Alneso and Jason Muir are exploring. And then, then you've got the colors by Andre Tabacaro, and it's just, 
it's one of the best examples of comic book of comic book storytelling that I've seen from Action Lab, and most any other publisher in the last couple of years, to be totally honest with you. And it, I, I read it purely because of the um, time traveling chef hunts dinosaurs line. <laughs> like, I mean, any, any comic that starts with that is immediately going to get my attention, and then to hold it over a couple of years. I mean, there's, there's been four or five issues a year for the last two years like I find in comics if there's only four or five issues a year it's easy to kind of lose track of of the story of um of when it's being published it is um it's absolutely one of the best things you're, you're going to read that really is a challenge like when things of a, of a um a complex or a slow publishing schedule for a lot of people um I mean, actually, I should say one of my favorite graphic novel, great, with trade paperback really of the year was Four Kids Walk Into a Bank, which has been oh, going yeah. on for a number of years, and there aren't that many issues of it. But the end result, I thought, was fabulous, and I had one of the strongest emotional responses to that comic, laughter and tears, not at the same time. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that was 2017 when the, when the trade came out. So now you guys can read it all at once rather than waiting over periods of time. It was worth it. It was Oh, man, worth it, it sucked. I, I was at a C2E2 and they had like a, they were issue ahead, but I like just missed it. And it was a painful moment. <laughs> oh, because you, you got spoiled on the ending. No, no, I didn't get spoiled. Like I, I could have had a chance to like be ahead of people, but like I missed it. Cause it was like limited edition. Cause Black Mask uh, is good at that. Like yeah. the small publishers are good at like the gimmicks and oh shit. Um, yeah, like I love Black Mask, but like I know I know all their good writers are getting poached by, by Marvel and DC, but especially Marvel. Um, but like they they definitely like when they they deliver. Um, but I just I don't know. It's some I sometimes I'm like, man, I wish Collect Number Two would come out. Is it ever gonna come out? Like, yeah. That has been a very divisive title, so I'm I'm intrigued at your support, but I've not I have not read it. So I love it. It was so cool. It was like. They were talking about it on like CNN and stuff. It was like getting into like the mainstream, like old, like old, like clueless people were talking about it. But then <laughs> like it just issue two never happened. It's kind of sad because it was a great book. Who it had is some good merch the break- too. That is something that adds up as well. Uh, so who's the breakaway character of the year? <laughs> Hit me up, guys. This is the fun one. Um. Well, shoot, I'll start. I think Deathstroke, people finally care about Deathstroke. Not that I ever cared about whether or not people cared about Deathstroke, but I truly believe that any creative people can turn any character into something successful if they're given the room to do something creative with it. And uh, here we have a villain book where the villain is actually a complete piece of shit, and um, it's still interesting, which is not a given. Um, And he's such a has-been as, as, as a concept, but, you know, you have Christopher Priest and then a series of really, you know, top, top-notch top artists working on the book, and suddenly people care about Deathstroke. I definitely think people are super hungry to actually have something ongoing with America Chavez in it. Like, I think while people's responses to the specific series were kind of mixed, I felt like the people in the fandom spaces in which I interact are still in love with the character of America Chavez. 
and want to see her. Did yeah. Go ahead. I was just wondering, didn't that get canceled like that I heard the other day? Yes, it did get yeah. canceled, indeed. I feel like so she's written else? better in, in Ultimate. Um, I, I like mm-hmm. I like her better in, like, this – as a, she's kind of like Wolverine. She's, like, really good in the small, like, one-liner, you know, action doses. But, like, her her ongoing book was, like, all over the place. Like, good art. Like, Ramon Villalobos is, like, a stud. But, like – Oh, no, no. He didn't um, do the art on that. Show... It was not... No, the, the art the art uh Joe Quinones. Yeah, he he did like a two he did like a two issue arc on it though. It was really oh, good. Okay. It's it's okay. Like it's it's fine. But yeah, like um I feel I don't know, like this is more this is more crossover with the T V world, but like she I mean she did show up in the comics. Um Gert Yorks from the Runaways. Mm. Um I feel like when she was first introduced in the early two thousands, I guess people weren't ready for a, like like a agnostic socialist, um, like I guess fat, girl, like Jewish girl to be like kind of like the big big time hero, but like I feel like in 2017 people were ready for that, and also mm-hmm. like I mean she's just the best part of the TV show, which only helps the comics. Um, so uh, yeah, and like she's great. She's great in the book because she's like not like she uh, she's like been brought back from the dead after like 10 years. Dead definitely does not mean dead. Um, so she's kind of like the nostalgic one. So like, it's like a different, she was always like the cynical one, but now she's like the nostalgic one. Um, but yeah, and also like just the, the show helps a lot. Like, I guess if the show wasn't a thing, like people wouldn't talk about her as much, but, uh, yeah, Gert works for sure. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of folks were really excited about the return of the Runaways comics as well. And she, at least among folks I know, has always been a favorite. So good to see her back. Well, do you guys have any characters that really need to go away and not be in so much fan stuff this upcoming year? I think Deadpool is always a perfectly fine response to that question. Like, do we need all the Deadpool? No, we don't. Make it stop. Uh, so sorry, you just said Batman? I heard you say I that, did. Alex? Hit me up. Tell me more. Well, I love Batman. I, I think he's a fa- fantastic character. Um, but I don't need to see him in every damn DC book. I don't need <laughs> to see him in every possible miniseries crossover. Now, I, I lo- I'm, I'm really enjoying the Batman TMNT crossover series. But, like, I don't need that. I don't need a Batman book every week. I don't need two Batman books every other week. It's just... Give me a break. Like, Batman's becoming... When I was getting into, or I remember the late 90s, Wolverine was everywhere. And I feel Batman is becoming the same now, more so than ever. He's in mm-hmm. Justice League of America. He's in Justice League, Batman, Detective Comics, Batman in the Shadow, which apparently is still <laughs> being put out, uh, Batman TMNT. He shows up very regularly in Super Sun. I'm pretty sure he's in you know, at least mentioned or has at least a voice cameo in Nightwing every three issues. Oh, like, man. It's just, and this is only what I can remember off the top of my head and what I'm actually reading too. Like, it's just, DC has some great characters. They don't need to keep relying on Batman all the damn time. Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second. I think that the, the reason why these books, like starring that, like Batman is played more of a supporting role in like all these books. Like, for example, the main Batman book, 
it showcased Catwoman and Kite Man and all these like and then there's All Star Batman which showcased all the villains. And Detective is all about the family. Like Batman barely shows up in Detective Comics. I don't really know about the crossovers as much. And I feel like in JLA he kinda has this like silent, like kind of he's like the glue of the team. He's kinda of like you know what Kevin Conroy's character was in Justice League Unlimited. So I feel like, yeah, like he's in every book. I agree with you on that. But like I feel like he's like this special like sauce ingredient. Like he's not like the main ingredient, but he's like kind of connecting things. And um, I feel like a lot of that's like editorial, like Jamie Rich and Mark Doyle. But yeah, I feel like I'm okay with Batman like showing up in books. I, I mean, as long as he doesn't like, you know, overtake it. Like he played like, like if he plays a more, you know, supporting role, like it's, it's cool, which I feel like he's kind of like a supporting character in every book except for like his, his uh, flagship. Um, and he keeps getting like, over uh, like um outshone by like characters like even like swamp thing and like even like superman like yeah it's <laughs> yeah i don't disagree I with you um i don't disagree with you in that he is used as a supporting character and a, a special ingredient but i mean to liken it to pizza i i love pizza and i love <laughs> bacon on my pizza but if I have bacon in everything I'm eating all the time, then I just get sick of it, and I just don't want bacon all the time. Regardless of if it's just there to add to the flavor or part of the main drawer of the dish, like in breakfast, I, I don't <laughs> want bacon in ev- everything I'm eating, and I don't want Batman, no matter how subtle, in every single DC comic that I'm really needing. Cool. I love this debate. Um, anybody else totally overexposed and need to need to be gone with? Um, I don't really have characters that I think are overexposed, but I feel like I would be okay if like Nick Spencer, Dan Slott, Mark Wade um, never wrote a comic <laughs> ever again. <laughs> Took an early early retirement. Like I just yeah. like I just I don't know. Like I just seem like these mediocre writers on like big books. Like it's just. Oh man. Yep. So annoying. I'm, I'm like burnt out on hearing about Captain America at this point. Uh, I don't know. That Chris Omni art though is slick. Yeah, uh, no, I don't even like the comics. I don't really even read that many Marvel comics. Uh I just don't <laughs> want to hear about it. <laughs> That's legit. And like the constant events are just kind of exhausting to like hear about. Yes. But I think that's I think that's about it for me. I'll give a controversial answer that mm-hmm. probably no one else here will agree with. Okay. I'd like to see a, at least a little less of Tom King. I'm sorry, but I know everybody. I don't care for his Batman. I guess everyone here else here likes it. I do like I Mr. Miracle. Yeah. Okay. I do like Mr. Miracle, but all his characters, apart from the Vision speak in the exact same voice. They have these little quip lines. He has this Hemingway-style adjective-free prose that he gets into. All his characters sound exactly the same, and some of the messaging is a little bit dodgy. I like the Omega Men, but some of that pro-torture, pro-mind control stuff in there, I don't know if it's just his CIA background or what, but I think we could see, I think we could see a little less of Tom King. And as much as I do like Mr. Miracle, it's obvious to me what he's doing there, too. 
he's just doing Mulholland Drive in reverse. The suicide attempt came at the beginning rather than, you know, at the end of that film, and then we're left to decipher how much is real and how much is not. His last uh, Batman issue that everybody loved with that Bruce Wayne analog kid who turned out he killed his own parents thing, that was ripped off directly from an old martial law, Kingdom of the Blind, by Pat Mills and Kevin O'Neill, where their Batman stand-in character turned out to have killed his own parents years ago. So, I don't know. I like Tom King. I thought the vision was fantastic. Uh, I thought Sheriff of Babylon was amazing. But uh, the stuff, he's spread a little thin these days, and his stuff is not impressing me like it once was and like it apparently he still is to everyone else. So more power to everyone who still loves him. But I'm a little burned out on the guy. I, I can see that, Ryan. I, I find, like, I don't love everything Tom King's been doing on Batman. I find when he's on, he's really good. When he's not, it's noticeable. Um, I've said to uh, Joe on uh, those two weeks, I, I feel that Batman's release schedule is almost too quick for him. You know, like, especially with Batman and Tom King on that. I, I, I haven't read much Mr. Miracle, so I can't comment on that. But I feel like with, with his Batman maybe he would do better with a monthly schedule as opposed to every two weeks. I mean, two weeks, every two weeks is just batshit. Like, I, I don't even, I just, yeah, that's another point. But um, He also works well, with really good artists like Joelle Jones and, like, Michael Janin. Like, I'm really interested to see, like, what if he did a book with a not good artist and, I don't know, it might all fall apart. Like, He's had a charm career. He's been paired with good artists from day one, yeah. but I'm just curious, nobody else finds that his dialogue style is really repetitious at this point? I haven't said I, I, enough actually, I find, to I find that, it I find so it rhythmic, right. actually. I, um, I don't know. It's like, I, like, I find it really rhythmic, especially at the grid. It's like, it's like reading a poem, kind of. Um, like, when, when, I, when I read, like, those kind of comics, I don't, like, look for, like, realistic dialogue, I guess. So, I mean... Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm speaking least, more specifically least, yeah. from book to book to book. I mean, his dialogue in Batman, the characters all seem the same to me. His dialogue in Mr. Miracle, they all talk that way. His dialogue in Omega Men, they all talk that way. Everyone talks in these short quips, or there's a lot of uh, kind of rhythmic repetition of words and phrases and stuff. The Vision is the only one where his characters sounded remarkably different to one another, and they were all a bunch of friggin' robots. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I'd rather see something like that where he lets his artists breathe versus someone like, like Bendis or like all these filmmakers who go into comics and they just like cover up the, the art with like word balloons. He, he knows how to like, you know, cut his artists loose and, you know, keep his dialogue kind of to a minimum. Um, but yeah, I can see where you guys are coming from. <laughs> well, we should wrap up about now guys. Um, if anybody has any last thoughts on things people should read, or things that you want them to read moving forward, have it out. Well, I found um, one like really big sleeper book. Yeah, <laughs> sleeper book is a Heavenly Blues from Scout Comics. It's like it's like the best of like '90s Vertigo. It's like the best of Sandman with like the best of Preacher, and it's a high story and it's it's a lot of fun and you should check it out. Whoa, that Scout, sounds Heavenly awesome. Blues. Say that name again. Heavenly Blues. Heavenly yeah, Blues. It's not getting enough. Heavenly Blues. It's like not getting enough love at all. 
Who's the publisher? Uh, Scout. Scout. It's like the only Scout book I've read. Well, you should read Hunch Girl because Hunch Girl is amazing, but it is on Dark Horse. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I definitely want to like look at a publisher more in 2018. Um, but uh, so <laughs> I had to do a shout out. Where are uh, where are listeners? Sorry, let's tell our listeners where you can be found on the internet. Surely you all do write at graphicpolicy.com, but are there? Uh, <laughs> where can our folks find you at Twitter? Do you want to go ahead, Madison? Sure. Um, so I write for Graphic Policy. I also write about games for SideQuest, and I tweet a lot about games on uh, Twitter at Madison R. Butler. Um, all one word, and it all is all spelled like it sounds. So. Mm-hmm. Alex? Uh, yeah, so you can find me at Carcosa, K-A-R-C-O-S-S-A, um, and obviously I'm every writing for Graphic Policy as well. Um, before we move on to the next question, one comic that is not getting, or just a dust of your ass question, is Farlin the Goblin. It's self-published by Pug Grumble, um, and I'm in the process of finishing the review of the fifth issue right now. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a charming, fun, all-ages comic about a goblin who's trying to find a home for a tree. What's the name of the Goblin what? Uh, Farlin the Goblin. Out following the goblin. Uh, uh, Farlin. Uh, F A R. Farlin the goblin. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, Logan, where are you on the internet? Um, you can find me at uh, Midnighter Bay on Twitter. Um, Bay is spelled um, B A E. And I also uh, co host a podcast called The Lost Cause. Um, it's, it's a film and TV. And this week, we're going to be talking about uh, Taika Waititi's. Whole filmography, so should be fun. Cool. Yeah. And Ryan? Uh, I'm at Trash Film Guru on Twitter. You can find my movie review site, trashfilmguru.wordpress.com. My comics review site is fourcolorapocalypse.wordpress.com, the word for, not the letter. I also have a weekly comics review column at dailygrindhouse.com. And just a little bit of stuff for graphic policy here and there. If I can get up one shout out for an underseen book came out recently, Farmer Ned's Comics Barn by Gerald Jablonski. This is the most <laughs> amazing, idiosyncratic, no one else has attempted to do comics like this guy. I believe he's in his late 60s, lives in upstate New York somewhere. He's been doing a one-page strips here and there for about 25 years. They are like nothing you've ever seen in your life. I guarantee it. Farmer Ned's Comics Board. Cool. Thank you. And me, I'm Ilana, E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn, and I'm at Graphic Policy and on this podcast. And um, I know we'll be back in February talking about uh, Black Panther. We have some really hot guests coming on. We're going to also be talking with Mark Russell about his new comic, which envisions a certain Hanna-Barbera character fighting the House Un-American Activities Commission, obviously the kind of thing I'm into. Um, and thanks you all for joining us. Remember, graphicpolicy.com has reviews on comics, media, uh, games, and everything else up every day of the week. Always check us out. If you missed the beginning of this podcast, you can catch up with us on our iTunes at Graphic Policy. We're also on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Everywhere you find your podcasts, you can find Graphic Policy. And like we say... Keep it geeky.